Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Well, good morning, fam. How are you? Are you comfortable? Aren't these seats amazing? That's pretty great, isn't it? Am I the only one that walked in this morning just pinching himself just a little bit, just to see if it was real? So, so pinch your neighbor too, just to let him know, this is real. This is real. Pinch him, you know, give him a, give him a good one. That'll, that'll keep him awake to the surface too. And uh, what a blessing this is, my friend. If you would have told me that we would be here when we started this new year, I probably wouldn't have believed you. And this is incredible what God is doing and what we get to be a part of, and what we get to kind of enter into. I have to say a special shout out to everybody who's watching online. Welcome to Southridge Church. We're excited that you're here. Thank you for joining us. And as well as to the, those of you that are here, thank you for making plans on your Sunday. But also, we need to thank Menlo Church. I am so grateful for their pastor. Pastor, I believe Philip is the new pastor over there, Pastor Phil. I'm so thankful for Eric Hansen. And I'm also thankful for Ben White and the leadership there because it's their kindness and generosity that we get to be a part of. Because for the last seven years, this was their South San Jose campus. And they have done an amazing job remodeling this building, kind of making it as grand as it is. And so when I walk into this building, and I've been saying this to everyone, I kind of feel like a mouse in a mansion. You know what I mean? You're just like, I don't know if I belong here, you know? And uh, I'm just a kid from Fresno, just kind of grew up in the country. And so this is amazing when I step into a place like this. And I believe that God is gonna do some great work that we get to be a part of, that we kind of get to enter into in this season. And so thank you so much for being here this Sunday. But as well as thanking Menlo Church, I also wanna thank you. Many of you can remember nine years ago when Jane and I first planted Southridge Church in the Oak Ridge Mall movie theater. Today, if you grabbed a Krispy Kreme donut, that's a callback because every Sunday we used to serve Krispy Kreme donuts. And because we were in the movie theater, we had to be careful about what we had set up and tear down. And so we had a Keurig machine and you'd get Krispy Kreme donuts. And that was our setup for our cafe. And so we said, this used to be a movie theater. So we got to do a callback. So uh, hopefully enjoy those Krispy Kreme donuts. And we're just grateful to be a part of this. But a little backstory, March 12th, Two people came and visited Southridge, Susan and Ken Landry, and they came and prayed at the end of the service. They asked me to pray for them, and they were distraught, and they were burdened because their church was moving on, and I, I, was, I was heartbroken any time as a, as a church planter, and my dad is a pastor. Anytime I hear of a church closing a campus or a location, it kind of hurts my heart because I know it makes the devil happy whenever we as Christians are in retreat. And so I asked them, well, what church was it? And they said it was Menlo Church, their South San Jose campus. And I said, that hurts my heart, and I'm so sad. But do you have a phone number or email of somebody I could talk to over there? Because at this hotel, as a blessing as it is, the heat don't work, the AC don't work, the roof leaks, we got rodents, and then they don't fix the uh, uh, electrical. And so we'll be in the middle of a worship set, and you'll just lights will go down and our worship team's been amazing and so I want to thank them for that Sunday it initiated something 
And that's why we're here. But then also, I believe that when the scripture says that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, church fam, this is a reward. Because you and I are sitting in somebody else's sacrifice. Somebody else paid for these chairs. Somebody else painted these walls. Somebody else installed this sound equipment. Somebody else's tithes and offerings did this. And so I come in with a spirit of gratitude, not a spirit of I'm entitled or I deserve it. I just come in saying, okay, Lord, there was a work that Menlo started, but it even started before Menlo. There was another church named Cornerstone. I think it was Cornerstone Community Church. They were here for almost 20 years. And so we are entering into what I would call a legacy of ministry. You know, at the hotel, we would deal with prostitution, homelessness, drugs, crime. And so every Sunday, you kind of walk into a spirit and environment that you're having to pray against every Sunday. You're not just casting out demons out of the sound equipment. It's like, man, it's just real spiritual warfare is happening. I entered this building, and I can sense that there were some prayers that were prayed here. I can sense that the Holy Spirit has already been working here. And I can sense that God is up to something, and I'm excited to enter into it. Are you? I come in this morning with a spirit of expectancy. And so with that, would you open your Bible to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 5. 2 Kings chapter number 5. I want to read just beginning with the first few verses. And I firmly believe that what I need and what you need is the Word of God. So if you're new to Southridge or you're looking for a church home, I just want to let you know that we are all about the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we love the Bible. Line upon line, precept upon precept. We love it, we study it, we memorize it. And we try to live by it as best as we can with the Holy Spirit's help. And so with that, this first Sunday, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse number 1, the Bible says this. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord, and mark that, the Lord had given Aram victories. Now you say, who are these victories over? Well, we're going to find out. God gave Naaman victory over Israel. And sometimes that's hard to reckon with, to to stomach, that God sometimes would use your enemies to get victory over you. I I look at scripture sometimes, and I I know some of us, we kind of have these happy-go-lucky feelings about the Bible. Sometimes you read it that, and you're like, God, you you would use my enemies against me? Sure he would. Sure he would. And maybe some of you you, you, you struggle and you wrestle with that, but let's continue on what the word of God says. But so God gave him great victories, but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. You can have all these things going for you, but he still had leprosy. Verse two, and at this time, the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. I find it interesting that this Jewish girl who is kidnapped, taken from her home, she is in a position where she is now called a maid, but basically she's a slave to this household. And if you're a slave in a household, I don't know if you would have this type of a reaction that this maid does. Her reaction in this passage is this, I wish my master, she's showing reference, she gives him a proper title. 
She has a wish for him. This speaks of emotion. She's not just saying, oh man, that's too bad. The person that bought me, the person that now owns me, the person who I am now their property is sick and could die. She doesn't have that spirit. Remember, God had used this man to get victories over her. You would think, if anything, she would say, this guy is the enemy, and if he's got leprosy, the more of them that die, the better. But notice her spirit. I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. And this is powerful, because he would heal him of his leprosy. Look at the faith of this young girl. She just said, if my master can just get there, she, she, she knew and she believed that the prophet, we're going to find out this prophet, is the prophet of Elisha, that Elisha can heal Naaman. And it goes on, verse 3, or excuse me, verse 4. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that this is, he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet in Israel. I want to spend the bulk of our time in verses 2 and 3 and speaking about this maid. And I want to ask you this question, and it's this. Can you serve in a low place for a high purpose? Can you serve in a low place for a high purpose? I want us to take the next few minutes that we have together, and this is a different sort of message. I, I actually wrote four messages, and then I just wouldn't, couldn't get peace about any of them. So if this is for you, then praise the Lord, it's for you. But this is an odd message if I'm saying so, because it's kind of one I thought, man, Lord, let's just talk about your goodness and how mighty you are and what great things you've done. And I would write the message and God would say, nah, he'd bring me back to 2 Kings chapter number five. And this one is kind of messy though. It kind of messes with you because I don't really like it. Because sometimes God calls you and I to low places for a high purpose. And sometimes you and I have to sit with that and say, God, why am I at this job? Why am I in this city? Why am I in this relationship? Why am I in a low place? And we have to remind ourselves it's because God has a high purpose. Here's this maid who one day she's going about her day. Her family's there. Her brothers and sisters are there. It's just a beautiful day in Israel. And on the hillside, she sees a cloud of dust. And here come some Aramean raiders. Well, the, the nation of Israel's used to having some raiders come. So I'm sure there was some alarm bell. I'm sure there were some of the men of the village begin to arm themselves, begin to make ready. Because you don't just kind of hand off your children, hand off your supplies to the raiders. And if I believe that 
this girl's father as any man, I believe that he would have died defending her life. I believe that her mother would have done anything she could to keep her baby girl from being carried off to a distant land. I don't think for a second that this story ended well that day for this little girl. But here is this maid, and if you and I were this maid, we would probably have a 180, a totally different reaction to the situation. We'd probably be angry at God, raising our fist at God. We'd probably be upset and say, why me? We'd be saying, God, I was doing everything I could. This girl knows of the prophet Elisha. She also knows that the prophet can heal. I believe that her family was a good family that had a right upbringing, that had instilled faith in this girl because this girl had has great faith, and it's evident in the text that we've read. And so yet, even though this girl can come from a good family, and even though this girl, she had been given a proper upbringing, some terrible things have happened to this girl. And maybe you're sitting here in this room, and some terrible things have happened to you. We know that this girl, she's female, so in this day and age, in this culture, that was a strike against you. You couldn't vote, couldn't own property. You were just more of a piece of property. So she's female. She's also a foreigner. And she has no family. All of those things could have been enough to say, God, forget it. You you don't want me. Guess what? I'm not going to serve you. And maybe this morning, some of you have been wrestling with, do I still serve God because my life hasn't turned out how I planned and how I'd hoped and how I dreamed, but yet I'm going to keep bringing this up. Can you serve in a low place for a high purpose? Can you say, God, wherever you put me, I'm going to bring the light of Jesus Christ into this place. You don't need to turn on the light when you are a light, when you have the light. And so you and I are to be the light of the world. As a city that is set upon a hill gives light, we should be giving off light. And so here's this maid. She's going to give off light. But I keep looking at this passage and I realize that this maid doesn't have a name. Everybody else gets a name in the passage. This girl doesn't have a name. And in today's culture today's upbringing today we 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 want to get credit i want credit if i do something for you i want to be recognized i want to be applauded i want to get my name on the screen i want people to know what i did i want to take a selfie if i'm helping out in the neighborhood or if i'm doing something i don't just do it for free i need some credit But here's a girl who's unnamed, but yet even though she's unnamed, she's still willing to serve. She's still willing to help others. She doesn't care who gets the credit. Oh, today that if we had people that didn't care who got the credit, what could be accomplished? I love the quote that says, I've never seen anyone too small for God to use, but I have seen people too big for God to use. And if we as a church, and let me talk to those who have been calling Southridge Church their home for a while. Let me just talk to you for a moment. I believe too often that we can find ourselves in a situation and we could say, oh man, look at this. Isn't this place great? Isn't God going to make our name great? Isn't God going to do something big? How about we stop saying that and we say, how big can we make God? Not how big can I get? Not how big can the platform be? Not how big can now I can let people know? Because sometimes... When you were serving back at the hotel, you didn't like to take uh, the selfie when you were serving the rich kids at the old 
children's ministry. You're like, nah, I don't want people to know. But now I see all these phones out. And I'm like, oh, now you're proud, huh? Oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right. I see our old place wasn't good enough. I see. I see you walking through the building. And so you're like, oh, this is nice. This is nice. We don't have to build our other building. We could just stay right here. No, I'm going to help them tear it down to help you go to the next building. Because if we stay here, we won't move on. God still has other mountains for us to climb. Let's take a rest for a moment. Let's enjoy it for a moment. Let's praise God for a moment. But God has more for us. But yet this girl, her humility, it stands out to me. You know, humility is knowing that you are not everything and that you are also not nothing. Let me say it again. Humility is knowing that you are not everything, but you're also not nothing. And that's a fine line for the child of God. Because the Bible says that God exalts the humble, but he puts down the pride. He resists the proud. It's interesting that God says, no, I resist those that are too puffed up, that are too proud. I resist those. But yet here is a girl. We don't know her name. She's from the margins. And yet it's from the margins that God is going to set something into motion. I think it's amazing that when God is looking over the landscape, God is saying, I'm looking for somebody that I can use. And oftentimes, you and I, especially when we look at the day and age that we live in, we're looking for some great leader. We're looking for some great man or woman of God. And maybe we need to look for the unnoticed, unnamed, marginal. Because I believe that God wants to do something in our generation, but I believe it's going to come from unexpected places. Naaman didn't know when he bought this maid that that was going to be the best purchase he ever made. Buying this maid turned out to be a really good deal for him. And I know that's a horrible thing, but I guarantee you at the end of the story, when he gets his healing, he's thinking, wow. Who knew what God was going to do through that little girl? He just heard that his wife needed help washing the dishes, helping with the vacuuming, helping doing the ironing. So he was thinking, I'll just get my wife a little bit of help, a little domestic help. He didn't know that that domestic help was going to come to be, turn out to be his deliverance. Because sometimes you and I can overlook the marginalized and overlook where God can work in unexpected places. Maybe you don't realize this, but God wants to use the unexpected places. The Bible says this, that God searches, his eyes run to and fro, looking for him whose heart is perfect towards him so that he can use him. God is looking for somebody. And God didn't put any qualifications that they got to be great, that they got to have a big 401k, that they got to have a three-car garage, that they've got to have all the skills and the abilities. God just says, I'm looking for availability. Just somebody who'll say, God, you can use me. If there's anything that when you show up at Southridge, I just want to encourage you that if God can use somebody like me, he can definitely use you. Because Jane and I know where we started from. We started with nothing. We started with our American Express card and a call from God to go plan a little church in a little movie theater down the street here. And we didn't know who would show up. And Lord knows we shouldn't be here nine years later. Because I've made every mistake 
that you can possibly make in planting a church. I've offended people, not intentionally, out of pure ignorance. And so if you're here and I offended you, I apologize. It was out of ignorance. I had zeal, but very little knowledge. Somebody the other day, as I was doing some work in the building, they said, seminary really prepared you to do all this. I said, are you kidding me? You see what I'm doing? Seminary taught me Greek and Hebrew. Do you see me doing any Greek in this building this week? I wish I could do some Greek, go up in a nice air-conditioned office and study some Greek. That would be nice. No, we're moving stuff. We're working. And God is moving. God is doing something. But when God moves, he also often uses the margins. I love this. Do you see this girl? She wishes good to someone who has not been good to her. Wow. In the text we read, she said, I wish my master would go see the prophet. She's wishing something good for someone who has not been good to her. If we are ever going to see San Jose change for Christ, we have to switch gears and start wishing good for people who have not been good to us. And people are looking in this city for the quote-unquote Christians to start being good even though they have not been good to them. Think about the book of Job. Job had a couple of friends who accused him of doing some horrific sins and saying he was in denial for most of the book. And at the very end, you come to the very end of the book of Job, what does God tell Job to do? He tells Job to pray for those friends that have said all kinds of bad things. And Job prays for them. And then the Bible tells us that Job was blessed and then he got more than he had before. Your blessing could be tied to your ability to wish those who have not done good to you to wish them good. Maybe some of you are like, why am I struggling? It's because you're holding on to some resentment, some anger, some bitterness. And God is saying, until you can go to your spouse and say, you know what? We've been going through a rough patch, but I love you no matter what. And I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to do whatever I can for you. And that neighbor that's been nasty towards you, they put their trash in your trash can. And then they kick over your trash can. And they say their dog did it when you know they did it because you caught them on your ring camera. We know your nosy neighbor like that. Are you watching the neighborhood on your little ring camera, on your phone, just checking out what's going on? And you're mad at that neighbor. And you say, you know what? I'm going to bake them a pie. And I'm not going to put any bugs in it this time. Nothing nasty in this pie. This would be a good one. You can't go to Marie Callender's. Our church used to give Marie Callender's pies out. And it got to be expensive, so I'm kind of thankful Marie Callender's closed down. <laughs> so now we give you our... our custom coffee blend and something else. I don't know. But as I look back, I just saw that this girl, here she is. She's unnamed. And yet she comes from a broken past. And even all of that, she still says, you know what? I want to bless this person. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't know that there's hope. Do you know the people down the street don't know that there's a God who saves? You know, there's people in office that don't know how good God is. And yet here you and I, we, we, we so need to start wishing them good. And it just might be that they turn around and they say, wow, I want to follow your God. I was listening to a podcast by Joe Rogan, and he was saying, we need to just somehow figure out how to make good people. And I was like, yeah, 
The church is supposed to be the best at that. I said supposed to be the best. But some of you, and I know myself, some of the most and worst treatment you've ever had came from the church. So to you, I want to say, just because a church hurts you doesn't mean that the church will hurt you. There is a difference. And we want to let you know that this is a family that you could be a part of. We'd love to have you a part of it. We believe that God is doing something. We believe that there can be reconciliation and that there can be healing. But God wants to move and he wants to use the marginalized. But I wrestle with this passage because God didn't protect this little girl, did he? She gets captured. She gets taken away. And I wrote this down. If you want to write it down, if it helps you, God doesn't always protect you from trials, but he does prepare you for them. God doesn't always protect you from it, but he does prepare you for it. You see, God had been preparing this girl by instilling in her faith, a faith that can stand up and a faith that can speak up. She's in a foreign land with a different religious system, a different cultural environment. And what is she doing? Hey, there's a prophet in Samaria that can heal you. When you go to a new job, what do you do? Do you let people know that I go to this church and at this church we preach Jesus. We open the Bible and we let people know that there is a heaven that's sweet and there's a hell that's hot and there's a God that's good. Or do you just say, oh, I don't want to ruffle the feathers. Silicon Valley, you know, we got to be a little bit more inclusive and I got to be a little bit more careful about what I say. I need to keep my job. But here's a young girl who said, you know what? I will speak up and I will stand up. After all, what more has she got to lose? Some of us are so timid when God has put you in a low place for a high purpose. You think you're at that job by accident? No, my friend. You think you're in that neighborhood by accident? No, sir. You think God put you on that board for some odd reason? No, you are there in a low place for a high purpose because God wants to do something in the city of San Jose. And God wants to start something. And it's going to start small. It's going to move out. And it won't happen until you and I realize that we've got to make a move. You see, here's a marginalized person who said, I'm going to make a move, and that move turned into someone else's miracle. You and I sing, and we talk, and we speak of miracles, but yet the miracle will never happen until you set something in motion. Every miracle in the Bible started with some movement. Something had to get set into motion, and yet we live in a world where Christians are like, I don't want to move. I cheated some of you during worship. You're like... Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not raising my hand. I don't do that. I'm not going to sing. God's been so good to you. He gave you air to breathe another day on this earth. He put you in the United States of America. I just got back from the Philippines. I know what it's like to be somewhere else, not as good as here. Yes, we have my, our problems, but my friend, I'm here to tell you that I've got a reason to praise. I've got a reason to rejoice this morning. And I'm here to tell you that even though God may not have protected you from the trials, he did prepare you for them. And so you and I have to step back and say, God, what do you want to put into motion? 
What do you want to put into motion that will lead to someone else's miracle? And stop looking at yourself saying, I'm the marginalized. I'm the fringe. I don't know if God can use me. I'm from a broken home. I've got a broken past. I've got broken relationships. I'm dysfunctional. I've got this. I've got all these issues. And God's saying, that's okay. Because it was never about you in the first place. And that's what this made realized. It's not about me. You and I are so tied up in ourselves. And we forget that the point is that we are to reflect others to see Jesus. That everything you and I do, everything you and I say is about Jesus. That our life that we live is this representation of this man named Jesus Christ who came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived 33 years, died innocent, perfect, and holy on a cross. Three days later, split the grave wide open and now stands at the right hand of the Father and never lives to make intercession for you and for me. That's the person we're talking about so I can get over my my dysfunction. I can get over that I don't talk so well. I can get over that maybe I don't have the best job, that I don't come from the best neighborhoods or the best family. It doesn't matter, my friend. What matters is telling people about Jesus. And when people get Jesus, things begin to happen. So this girl set something in motion. And my friend, God set something in motion this year. When Dick Bernal came and he prayed over Southridge Church, he set something into motion. And ever since that Sunday, I've been seeing some things that God has been doing underneath the surface, behind the scenes, because God is working in this city. God is working in our church. And it's not just us. I sense a move of God that is beginning. And I just say, Lord, I want to get a part of it. I can't create the wave, but I want to catch that wave. I want to ride that wave. I want to see hundreds and thousands of people giving their life to Christ, taking the next step in baptism, then becoming full followers of Jesus Christ, becoming disciples of him, that then go into their neighborhoods, their communities, and tell others about Jesus Christ. And they don't just stay here in the United States, but they get a call to go to other countries and to take this glorious book that we call the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. And they say, I'm going to take this and I'm going to go tell other people about Jesus because this book is life. This book is bread. This book has words that will change us. And they say, I want to take this wherever I can because this word sustains me. This is my, my life. This is everything to me. You see, this little girl she didn't know that she set something in motion. Elisha shouldn't get all the credit. This unnamed maid should. And as a matter of fact, Elisha didn't even want the credit. We don't got time to go through the whole story. But Naaman gets his healing. You see, Naaman, he comes to the prophet and he asks the prophet what he should do. And Elisha doesn't even come out the house. He sends his servant Gehazi to go downstairs and tell Naaman to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman gets offended that the prophet won't even come down the house and come talk to him. And Naaman even begins to say to his soldiers, let's go home and let's go wash in our rivers. They're cleaner. They're nicer. Can I tell you something? You and I do the exact same thing. God calls us to a dirty job and we say, no, God. I don't want to serve in a low place for a high purpose. I want to go to what's familiar. Amen. 
to the rivers that I know about, the beautiful rivers. I want to go to what's easy, not some dirty river, River Jordan. I've been to Israel. Anybody been to Israel? Let me see your hands. Not that I can see your hands because of the lights, but let's pretend I can see your hands. It's a little dirty river. They said, do you want to get baptized in the Jordan River? I said, nope. I'm good. I got baptized in Morgan Hill, a little, little, little church there. I, I, I think that one took. I'll stick with that one. I don't know what kind of bacteria in that water. I don't want to have to get an enema or something when I get home or get dewormed or something. No, thank you. I'm good. Baptism is the same. Nowhere in the Bible said you got to fly all those miles, pay that expensive ticket to get baptized in the Jordan. That's a dirty river. People line up, they do it, and then they afterward, they want to sell you the water. You can buy the little vials of water, sprinkle it on you. And next to the water is the nails that Jesus was nailed to the cross. I said, how many nails you got? One, two, three. You got 30 of them. I didn't know it took that many. They were carpenters like I was a carpenter. It takes me 30 nails to nail one thing up. So maybe the Romans couldn't see straight, you know? Bunch of nails. I can understand why he didn't want to, but understand this, my friend. Your faith does not operate in the familiar. And some of you are saying, God, I want to go back to what's familiar. And God says, you can go back there, but the miracle's not going to work because the miracle requires the faith. And the faith must be exercised in the dirty places. You see, when you and I are willing to say, God, you can take me to difficult places, this reveals your depth. You know what's hard nowadays? I haven't been pastoring long, just nine years. Before that, I was an associate pastor for seven years. So I'm coming up on just over 16 years of full-time ministry. And it's amazing what it takes to knock Christians out of Christianity today. It amazes me. You know, people leave churches all the time. Now I'm going to go there. And I know it's going to get uncomfortable. So I'll sit down so you feel better. I've had people leave our church. I don't know why. After all, I'm such a nice guy. I could buy Krispy Kreme donuts for people. I try to do nice things for them. And I've never had somebody say, Pastor Micaiah, we got to leave Southridge Church because when I open that Bible, you preach heresy. You preach false doctrine. You're preaching something I don't see in that book. Not a person's ever done that. Sometimes I wish they would because I'll go back to my message and I'll say, that was heretical in my own sermons. I got a great message. I love this message called the gift of sin. It's my favorite. I'm just being sarcastic. It's not. But our staff and team, they ever since Christmas 2022, 2021, that message is, is not theologically correct. I think we deleted it off the YouTube. But that being said, I wish somebody every once in a while would. But what people say we're leaving the church over, they will leave the church over. The pastor didn't spend a lot of time with me. Okay. In the qualifications of a bishop, it didn't say thou shalt just must have spent his time with every um, church memberist. It didn't say it. I'm using my own translation for a moment. Y'all didn't bring a Bible anyway, so what does it matter? Oh, is that too real? Oh, is that too real? Okay, okay, all right, some of you did. Okay, 
pulling out your phone, downloading the app real quick. The internet's too slow. You can't download it fast enough. But yet, we don't have the depth because we're not willing to go to a low place to serve God for a high purpose. And it's in that low place that that's where God begins to take us deeper, where God gives us the strength. When the storms come, when the waves crash, that we have that depth in the rock of Jesus Christ. So that when times get difficult, we don't just bail on our marriage. We don't bail on our children. We don't bail on our cities. We don't bail on the lost. We don't bail on the cause of Christ because we've got some depth. I wish I had the depth, maturity, and the faith of this little maid. Because if we had that kind of faith of this maid, we would make it. Oh, we would make it. It wouldn't just be one miracle. It would be miracle after miracle after miracle. Our world is looking for that. And they look at us. And they're saying, man, you guys get all worked up, and you go see the little white pastor, and he gets all worked up on that stage, and he jumps around, he sits around, he spits and hollers, and somebody tell him he's a little bit dehydrated, the white spits, kind of annoying, kind of gross, and, and you need to talk to him because he gets so worked up about Jesus, but I don't see any miracles. I still see divorce. I still see drug problems. I still see people hung up on past bad habits. Where's the deliverance? Where's the freedom in Christ? We're stuck. God's people are stuck. And we wonder why. We don't see a great move of God. God didn't say, I'm in movements. I'm in the miracles. The movement's up to me. I move, God does the miracle. Because I can move, I can't do the miracle. I can only do what I can do, and this is what I can do. I can make a move. If God opens a door, I will step through that door. No matter how hard, no matter how high, no matter how difficult, I just say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. Wherever your servant bids me, I will follow you. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. You want my house? It's your house. You want my time, my effort, and energy? It's yours. You want my life, God? It's yours. I am simply like a piece of garbage at your disposal that's me God that's it and that's what God's looking for this maid she didn't know that she was going to help start a movement that was going to change a family worship team I invite you back up to the platform you say why what happened Naaman gets his miracle And then he comes back to Elisha and he said, my skin is like that of a baby's. Oil of Olay must have been in the Jordan River or something. He came up and he's like, wow, clean, fresh baby skin. Doesn't the baby skin smell so clean and nice, soft? He came up and God could have just healed him of leprosy. God gave him more than he asked for. And we read over the Bible and we just think, oh, that's cool. Some special lotion in the Jordan River. They'll sell you that too, but that's at the Dead Sea. You got to get that salt and scrub it on you. Hurts a bit, but they say it's good for you. There's a store that sells it. You can walk down to the beach and just buy it and stick it in your bag. I'm telling you, I know the hacks to travel international. Talk to me. I will save you money. But God gave him skin that was pure and white and clean. 
He just wanted leprosy gone. But God de-aged him. Can you imagine a battle-hardened soldier? Usually when you go on vacation, you come back, you got those tan lines. This soldier had the tan lines. Except where his nose had fallen off and fingers were missing, everything else was tan. And all of a sudden, he comes back, and here he's clean. Comes to the prophet Elisha. He says, Elisha, I'm going to follow your God. Your God is the God. And can I take some dirt from Israel and load it up on some mules? I want to take some dirt. I haven't figured out why he wanted two bags of dirt, but he wanted the dirt. Took some dirt back. And he said to Elisha, he said, Elisha, I'm going to follow your God, except for please make this allowance, please. That when the king goes to worship his God and I'm there with him, that God would forgive me that I'm there in the presence of my king's deity. But otherwise, I'm following your God. How did that all come about? Because of one maid who wasn't afraid of some general who she was a slave in their house. Scripture says fear of man brings a snare. You and I can't be afraid of man. Today's culture, we think not being afraid of man means we stand up to authority. And I get some of that. I don't want to dive into it or sound political. But I'd be far more impressed that you would just simply walk up to your boss who, man, you know this guy's got a lot of issues. Cheating on his spouse. Lives a wicked lifestyle. Then you go up to them and you say, I'm praying for you. And I bought you a Bible. I put your name on it. Let me know if you ever want to have a Bible study. That would be impressive. That could change things. But we're afraid to do that, aren't we? But Naaman was glad that this maid, this marginalized, set something in motion that led to his miracle. My friend, you can set something into motion this morning. You can begin something. You could start something. But it's going to take you saying, Lord, I'm willing to go to a low place for a high purpose. And we will step back and we will see what God can do. Amen. Can we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? We're going to prepare for baptisms. And if you are getting baptized, I would invite you to slip out and get changed. And then you can meet me at the baptistry. And maybe you're here today for the very first time and you say, I've never taken that step in believer's baptism. I need to get baptized. Please slip out, see one of our workers. We'll get you everything you need so you can get baptized as well. Because we want one of the first things that we do in this new building is to say, Lord, this is what we're all about. We want to see life change in this place. And so, Father, we are just simply saying, Lord, we want to be a part of the movement. So, God, if you this morning send us to low places, may we be reminded that it's for a higher purpose. So where you send us, we will go. What you want us to do, we will do it. What you want us to say, we will say. We're your people. We just cast ourselves on you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to pray for you.
Maybe this morning you say, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I was invited here. It's the first time I'm here. I saw the sign, and I got the sense that the Holy Spirit is wrecking me right now. And I know something's missing in my life. And I need help. I know I've got this thing called sin, and I need to get it right with God. And I want to repent of my sin. I want to trust Christ as my Savior. Is that you? You slip up a hand. Can I pray for you? Anybody like that in the auditorium today? Amen. I see that hand. God bless you. Oh, I see that hand. God bless you. Oh, I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Four hands raised. Amen. God bless you. I want to pray for you in just a moment. But maybe you're saying, I'm here and I know God wants to use me. But I've always thought you had to be a pastor or a teacher or gone to some seminary or Bible college. And I've always wanted to be used, but I don't know if God can use me. And now I believe that God does want to use me. But, Micaiah, would you pray that God would give me boldness and courage? Would you help me to, would you ask God to just help me move? Take that next step? Is that you? You just need prayer for courage? Oh, I see that hand. Anybody else? You said, man, I just got to make that move. I see that hand. Amen. I see those hands. Oh, God bless you. Oh, hands up all over the auditorium. Oh, God bless you. Yes, I see those hands. God bless you. People just want to make a move. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You may put your hands down. Let me pray for those that raise their hand and receive Christ as Savior. It's not the words that you say. It's the belief in your heart. It's saying, Lord, I trust you with my life. I need to be cleaned up. Forgive me of my sin. I repent. I turn away from my desires, my will, and I choose you as my Savior. And that's it. If you prayed that prayer, please come see me afterward. I want to celebrate with you. But now let me pray for the rest of us. Father, I believe that we have far more in common with this maid than we do realize. And so, Father, I just pray that we'd be a church just filled with people, that no matter if we feel marginalized, we understand that we could start a movement that leads to someone else's miracle, that you can use us in a powerful way if we will simply just move at your command. Like Peter who said, Lord, bid me to come out to the water. And then when you speak, we answer and we follow. No matter what you call us to do, may we do it. Father, we just pray for those that raise their hands. I don't know what struggle they're dealing with, what decision they have to make, but I know this, that you're a good God who guides us. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And I know that you are directing your people. And so I pray this week that they would follow your direction. May your voice be louder than any other voice. And may they follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to stand together and I want to worship in this last song as we prepare for baptism. So can we worship together? Worship team. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.